Welcome back to Normies Like Us, the podcast that reminds you it's hip to be square. What is your purpose? To listen to podcasts. Don't touch that portal gun. It's Rick and Morty on Normies Like Us. Butter. Oh my god. You sons of bitches. Morty. It's just Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty and their adventures, Morty. Rick and Morty forever and forever. hundred years, Rick and Morty some things. Me and Rick and Morty running around in Rick and Morty time. All day long, forever. A hundred days, Rick and Morty forever. A hundred times. Over and over, Rick and Morty adventures. Wubba lubba, what is up, Normies? As you heard up top, we're going a little intergalactic on this one. We're staying sci-fi. We just talked Mandalorian. This week, let's go a little silly with it. Let's talk Rick and Morty on Normies Like Us with your hosts. Uh, I guess I'll be Colin C137. I'll be Mr. Mike Seeks. How may I help you? <laughs> Uh, just Joe. Couldn't think of anything clever. <laughs> got me. Um, yeah, I'll be uh, uh, Bird Jacob. <laughs> Bird Jacob. <laughs> it fits okay. perfectly. Joe Portal Not Mr. Gun. Jakey Butthole. Mr. Jakey Butthole, <laughs> Mr. Joey Butthole. Um, Mr. Meesigs, yeah. very funny. Uh, yeah, so yeah. many lovable, wonderful characters on the, uh, once again, what I would say maybe one of the newest normie topics we're going to talk, Rick and Morty, the Adult Swim original. That's right. Yep, this is the part of the show where we ingratiate ourselves to the audience by having witty banter that's fun and lighthearted, Morty. Pretty contrived, I don't know. <laughs> We're just gonna go with it. All right, just, just shut up, Morty. Jacob, the Doing Morty banter. of this podcast. I expect that impression pretty much the entire time. Um, as the guy who got me into this show, you know, we'll go around, we'll talk about our level of interest here for a bit. But uh, to say mine yeah. up top. Jacob, we both love Dan Harmon. We were kind of into him. But for some reason, this show was one of my contrarian things where I first saw it and was like, eh, I don't know. Three episodes aired and you were like, no, trust me, it's really good. And you started coming over and watching it. So, Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's interesting because I think Rick and Morty is kind of like the perfect example of something that goes from niche to normie like very quickly and then almost became too normie and then cycled back to like maybe being underrated again because it got so popular but um yeah i was into it in season one when it really wasn't you know nearly as popular as it is now and yeah you know we're fan we were fans of dan Harmon, fans of community and everything that he does and then um i saw this was coming out and it looked like it was like in my wheelhouse like comedy wise and stuff so i checked it out and it takes a little i think maybe a couple episodes to really get into the flow in the first season but then once it does i think it's pretty good yeah, I um I have the first season on DVD. I got into it pretty early, but I was not really, you know, I knew Community, a little bit of a Dan Harmon fan, uh, but just the idea of like, especially that early season, like a weird show that's dealing with like string theory, quantum mechanics, and like, you know, also like having like 400 jokes a minute. Like yeah. I was like, okay, I'm pretty into this, but it did circle back around, I think, to being from very niche to very, very normie. And now back to where like, it's even commenting on itself in the exactly. newest season on how like popular it became and whatever. So uh, an interesting show to cover for the show, for sure. Joe, how about you? Rick and Morty background. Um, I'm pretty similar. I think we, um, Colin, uh, Jacob and I started watching it around the same time. Jacob was the first one there. I remember our first year going to WonderCon 
we ran into some Rick and Morty cosplayers, and it was right after we had just started watching the show. Like year it airs. Right. So Jake and I were so excited. It was like, oh my God, we got to take our pictures with these guys because nobody else at that time looked or cosplayed or knew Rick and Morty. And Joe specifically, I want to say you were maybe two episodes behind us because you were working at the NFL at the time and it aired Sunday nights where you were yeah, kind of working at the NFL. This was like 2013, right? So this was um, the the year that I moved to California, actually. So might have been um, one of those first here. early hangout shows for us, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it must have been. Um, but yeah, I think it's interesting because, you know, it's got the mix of the lowbrow humor and the more meta, you know, highbrow stuff. And of course, there's the meme of like, you know, you have to have a super high IQ to understand it. But I think there is some truth to that, right? Um, because there's some jokes that you can be 12 and be a fan of the show, but you're not going to get all of the jokes in the show, right? You're just not going to. But um, then it became so kind of overhyped with the Szechuan sauce and Pickle Rick and all that. And now I think it's circled back to a point where it's almost underrated now because people are like, oh, you know, it's so normy now. Uh, right. I mean, if, I, if I never hear another Pickle Rick reference, it'll be too soon. But yeah. um, I think the idea of like if you try to describe what is it as a genre and another reason we're talking about this is because, you know, the kind of sister show to this Solar Opposites just came out recently. That's right. Um you know, what do you describe the genre of Rick and Morty besides sci-fi comedy? It's like a deconstructional meta. Like, what is it? Yeah, I yeah. think exactly right. It, it, But at the end of the day, guys, I'm going to defend it this episode because I do love that you guys are tracking the trajectory. I hate to hear that you guys think it's all trending downwards. I would potentially agree with that. But here's what I'm going to defend the show about before we even get into it. Um, you guys are saying, what is it? What's it supposed to be? Is it a mixture of lowbrow, highbrow? I would say at the end of the day, it's just a cartoon. It's just supposed to make you laugh. When I read these reviews of the latest episode, I pull them up and it's Collider, a website I love that has a conflicting review with AV Club where one says, well, this isn't a classic Rick and Morty episode. It has to be one of the like sci-fi genre bending ones. Otherwise, it's not worth it. And the same episode from a different website can go, oh, this was one of the best ones because it played with crazy sci-fi tropes. I think they're both missing the point because you're just supposed to laugh. I think that's a good point, Colin, because I think, you know, you can get different things out of it. But, um, you know, some of the episodes were so kind of high concept and like meta to the point where fans almost expect that now. And it's like they have to continually top themselves or else, you know, some certain fans will be let down. And then other fans are just like, no, we just want like some more like silly humor. Um I think I think a big reason, and I think this show has stayed pretty quality, even though there's been some like episodes that weren't as good. But I think the real backlash is that the fans. Uh, it's similar to like Star Wars, where like I think the worst thing about it is the fandom at a certain point with the you know pickle Rick Szechuan sauce that kind of stuff. It's like they bring it down for everyone else. Yeah, I really agree with you there, Jacob. I think this is you know Star Wars. I give a pass because it's like so important to my life. Rick and Morty. Mm-hmm. Once the the fan base showed up and showed their true colors, I was out. I'll be honest. I haven't even watched the latest season because I was so turned off um, in the last couple of years. Well, I came back, uh, you know, for this latest season. I always watch it, but it's not like something I would want to. I wouldn't want to meet somebody on the street who's wearing a pickle Rick shirt and no. talk to him. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. But I still I like guys. the show. That breaks I equate my heart. that to the guy. 
No, I love the show. I really do. But like, you see the guy in the Game of Thrones shirt that says, I drink and I know things. And it's like, ah, I'm going to avoid that guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like super fans fair, of Mike, anything. Right. And yeah, also, I love the show. And it is coming back up. I think it's trending up. That's all I'm saying. And I agree with you. And I think the show has stayed quality, like I said. It's just the fans kind of bring it down and to even associate yourselves with. To me, I compare it to something else that I really like, Minecraft. Like, I still love the game Minecraft, but there are a certain subsect of fans that I find very annoying. And generally, it's when, you know, young kids or teens get into it that kind of makes it, um, you know, propels it into the space of being so normy that it that you have these really annoying fans that bring it down. And let's just be clear. If you're listening to this podcast, we're clearly not referring to you. We know not. you're one of the cool ones. <laughs> you're the best. Yes, yes, you. Of course. You are the best. You're the smartest, best people. You're just like ever. Rick. He's likable. He's the Rorschach of this universe. You're supposed <laughs> to like him. You're supposed to relate to him. Um, I think that's the perfect place. Let's go ahead and jump into it. Uh, I do want to make a Minecraft reference, though, just because Jacob made it. Hey, uh, Morty, is this game popular with autistics? Why? Because I'm <laughs> loving it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he loves Minecraft. It's another bit of Dan Harmon meta uh, leaking into here. the world. You're absolutely yeah. right there. All right, let's jump in. Let's talk about Rick and Morty. Let's jump through this portal, guys. We're back. Wubble of a dub dub, Normies. Uh, what other incredible catchphrases? <laughs> Get Swifty. Uh, it's Pickle Colin. Oh, yeah. uh, oh, so many. I don't know shout about them out, this, guys. Shout them out. <laughs> there we go. There we Pickle go. Pickle Colin. Uh, Pickle Tiny Colin. Rick before Pickle Rick. A Tiny Rick. Oh, yeah, Squanch. Yeah. Squanchy. You guys love Squanchy as well. All these wonderful yeah, characters in this here. wonderful world. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Dirty it is interesting cat. which ones get so popular. Like the Pickle Rick, like that episode is actually one of my favorites, but not because of episode. the catchphrase, but because of you know everything that's happening in the episode. Let's jump in. Let's do it right here because, uh, Jacob, you're bringing up a perfect one to springboard to. Um, Rick and Morty, a television show made by Justin Roiland, Dan Harmon. Uh, Justin Roiland, primarily known as a storyboarder and animator, he worked on things like fish hooks and Disney cartoons. Um, but he was making Channel 101 content. That was what uh, Dan Harmon had, sort of a link online with Rob Schraub to put out digital content. They used this medium called Channel 101. Uh, Justin Roiland would put up weird animated shows in it, and one of the ones that they did was Doc and Marty. This would eventually lead to Rick and Morty. Another one uh, was, I think, House of Cosby's. Was he involved in that? He was. Oh, very he was one of the voices of House of Cosby's, of Animated course. shorts called House of Cosby's, where there was just a bunch of Bill Cosby's in a house together. This was like pre a lot of stuff, but um, yeah, it's pretty funny. <laughs> oh, yes. And they were calling him a piece of shit back then. And you're right, Jacob. That yeah, was like 15 yeah. years ago. And there was also a pretty good uh, Cat in the Hat parody that uh, Justin Roiland used to do, but I forget what that one was called as well. But it yeah, eventually so have- led to them getting this deal, right? So Dan Harmon, he mm-hmm. was the head of community, gets kicked off. He gets a ton of other TV deals at that time. But really, he wants to get back to running community. When he comes back for the fourth season, he has a television deal with Adult Swim. He has to put an animated pilot together. Him and Justin Roiland just bust this thing out, guys. Hell yeah. Yeah, I really like we're in yeah, a- Sorry, go ahead. I'm just saying we're in a situation where we're talking about something that was inspired by an almost a parody of Back to the Future, yet we've not done a Back to the Future episode, but uh, we will someday. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> but without right. that, there's no Before Rick and Morty. Before we get so there, that's to, right. 
And it definitely takes, uh, yeah, from that dynamic of the old Doc with the young kid. But the original Doc and Marty animation, I would not recommend checking that out. It's not very good, but uh, it doesn't. Oh, it's not a lot is carried over from Rick and Morty. Other than the voices, the character design, yeah, the the, character design, the voices, the animation is dog shit. The original premise was it's a scientist trying to trick a young kid into licking his balls every episode. Uh, That juvenile humor, Jacob, like you said, let's dive right back in. Uh, The Pickle Rick episode, now. There's been a lot of commentary that's come out and stuff. Dan Harmon has come out and said, when we were writing that episode, that was the funniest thing we'd ever come up with. It was just making us laugh in the writer's room. I don't care about, you know, the fact that people liked it or whatever. When it came out and people did and they thought it was the coolest thing ever, again, we can't predict that, but it delights us. And then it takes a dark turn. And that's kind of where it's, again, it's just out of your control. And another example is the Szechuan sauce, which became such a meme that they actually brought back the sauce from like the 90s. And it it was so popular that you had fans, you know, throwing tantrums in McDonald's because they didn't have their Szechuan sauce and everything. That's a little overboard. I don't like that. But um. (laughs) but can I ask? So where is this coming from? Now, this is a like Mike said, a postmodern cartoon parody take of Back to the Future. It's essentially an action cartoon for adventures where you can say every week we can go and do the impossible, the blah, blah, blah. We can break this wall. We can break that because there's very limited rules to the universe. Now, my question to you guys, and Jacob, I'll ask you first, why does that resonate with young people so much that they are breaking down the doors of McDonald's to get Szechuan sauce just because it's mentioned in this cartoon? Um, I, yeah, I, I just think it's like, you know, it's popular with these these kids of a certain age that would be like that with really anything. And you can compare it to like, I don't know, maybe like Family Guy when we were that age was that popular, um, you know, or something like, you know, Futurama. But, um, you know, obviously most people didn't go get so crazy about Futurama that they're acting if like that. Bender but- had told me to drink a billion beers <laughs> and break in and, you know, buy some very specific piece of merch, would I have done it? Yeah, again, there was the Simpsons craze. There was this, there was that. But this reaches, I mean, what Rick and Morty has done here, guys, and I don't want to build up too much, but it's the same way Flash Gordon was so popular and then it died, and then Star Wars was so popular and then it died. Kids today don't care about Star Wars. They fucking love Rick and Morty. Yeah. But they didn't even have Szechuan sauce when it came out as a tie-in for Mulan. They have no memory of that. So they're laughing at the joke, Mike? It's purely a reference to the show. I think it's because we're living in the age of nihilism and like ah, that's a good point. Zoomers though. and like like younger generations, a lot of shit is just a joke to them. Like that's the way they've learned to communicate with the world. That's why memes are so popular True. now. So yeah, like the idea that a character in a show was so obsessed with that sauce and then it became real. I think half of them knew it was funny that they were getting so worked up. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's like a time when, you know, everyone is raised on the internet and they all identify as like autistic or on the spectrum. But um, yeah, I mean, kids these days, they scare me. I don't understand them. I don't like them. <laughs> that's oh the God. point I, of this I, episode. Is that the first time that's ever been said kids these days? On, on the I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. I, I do think that that nihilism point, because there's a big bend on this too. And I think maybe that's what connects with the youth is like Joe said, this kind of disconnect from stuff. Everything's a fucking joke. Like. 
You know, the very first episode, the characters die or they kill themselves and replace themselves in a prime universe. So the entire time we're watching the show, it's like nothing matters. Reality doesn't matter. Nothing matters. That's like the thesis of the show. And Mike, you're so right. To Joe's point, you have a mascot character like Rick who says to the audience, to the camera, I am a nihilist. None of this matters. I don't care about anything. But sometimes I do. But sometimes I don't. But I'm also the ultimate interesting character. So there is a lot of relatability for young people there, too. And his foil is constantly shut down. Whenever the voice of reason in Morty speaks up, right, Jacob? Do you agree with this? Yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, like some of the kids these days who idolize Rick, they don't understand that he's not, you know, you're not supposed to idolize him. Like he's a very... Then he tries to kill himself in that one episode, Jacob, where he (laughs) puts the gun to his face and passes out before he can pull the trigger and and we all just laugh. smart that he is is uh, a depressed, lonely old man, right? Yeah. But people are just we like, no, oh, he's cool. He can do yeah. whatever he wants with science. Like nothing matters. But really, he's just a depressed, lonely old man. And people, you know, some some of the younger fans don't understand that part of it. Yeah, when the show wants to, it's it can be really emotional. Like that, he literally passes out drunk, and that's the only thing that stops him from taking his own life. Yeah, like, that says a lot about that character. That's a great yeah, scene. It's one of my favorites. That does, guys. I love that scene as well. So maybe that could be tone confusion, what people might say is like a genre dysphoria. Again, I would say it's just an audience dysphoria. I would say that it's the audience presumption getting confused of being like, oh, it does have these super deep moments, so everything is so important sometimes. But again, you have the show constantly reminding you, oh, did you think we were going somewhere with the one-eyed Morty? Fuck you, finger to your face. We don't care about continuity. We don't care about stakes. We don't care about things going like this. It's just, we just want to make you laugh. But then you do get, you know, the One-Eyed Morty comes back in the Tales from the Rickverse or whatever that episode is called, which is a great episode. Um, But I think what it all goes back to is the synthesis of Justin Roiland and Dan Harmon's sensibilities and their style of humor and their taste and what they bring. So, you know, you have Dan Harmon, who's obsessed with the story circle. He's all about meta philosophical type stuff, more high minded. Then you have Justin Roiland, who is more like the traditional adult swim, like gross out humor, like schlip, slurp, slap, mm. you know, but also he can do Funny you know, other stuff those. as well. So I think it's a little simplistic, but I think that's kind of how their partnership breaks down. And that's why you have, you can go from dick jokes to, you know, like, you know, very heavy themes in the same episode. And that's kind of why mm. I like the show because it makes it work. Right. Well, it's like because we live in a world where wherein, you know, we must reconcile the fact that uh, dick jokes are being made in the face of, you know, mass catastrophe around us. That's the that's the meme world. Exactly. It's like, exactly. So it's yeah, a very turn anything into for a dick Harambe. Joke. And it's like, OK, well, this is like like Rick's just saying that to me. Like, OK, I guess Rick gets the joke, but he's above the joke, but he's part of the joke. Yeah. I mean, I think that's it comes back to the the. We're not living in the darkest timeline. We're living in the most nihilistic timeline. We're like, yeah, things are fine sometimes, but also none of it matters. Right. But also none of it has ever mattered. We just, you know, meaning is what we make of it. Right. So like whatever you make of your life is what you give meaning to. I guess. And we big braining out here. This is <laughs> we're smart. We like we the like show. Me, we're Rick fucking Morty, smart. Yeah. Obviously, let, hold on. Clearly, let me ask I you this, IQ Joe. I took a measurement of my skull, so, <laughs> and yeah, I see that it's getting bigger. It's getting bigger, Mike. That's right, Joe. That's let me right. ask you this because Jacob brought it up. Dan Harmon. We know all about it. We know about the story circle. Normies, if you don't know about that, 
it's not something he invented. He's just a believer. Mike's no, brought it up a Joseph million Campbell times on here. We love Joseph Campbell. We love the the story mm-hmm. of meeting the goddess. We we love going on the adventure, right? I love poetry. So, Joe, let me ask you this. Sometimes people will say, oh, I can't buy that shit. You know, I, I don't watch Rick and Morty because it's so slavish to the system. Why does Dan Harmon have to write this the same every time? Now, you and I, we enjoy screenwriting from time to time. People will say, should I get this book? Should I get that book? I kind of believe that you and I believe there's no real structure you should follow, but if there is a good guideline, go for it. And wouldn't you kind of say that that's just what Dan Harmon does? He's found his guideline. He's not a slave to it. No, that's, I think that's, oh, sorry, go ahead. I think it's all about like making it work, right? Like he's found a rhythm and a way that works for his mind. And I think what Dan Harmon brings to this is that heart, right? Like you have these heartfelt emotional moments and that's because he's building the character arcs in that that cyclical cyclical manner that uh that you know he's mm-hmm. he's pulled from that. So like if you have a device that just makes it easy for you, why would you not use that device to make creative stuff with it? Yeah, I think exactly. Um, he's not a slave to the story circle, but he uses that as an overall guideline, and then he finds ways to kind of break out of it and and you know do something different with it. In the current season, they literally make an entire episode about being trapped in the story circle. Yeah, that's so a good, very Mike. meta like, commentating on his own episode life. Making fun of that. Which yeah. again goes back to community. Because, yeah. yeah, every episode of community was Uh-oh. built with that story circle. But eventually, you know, he, he got tired of wanting, you know, they want, oh, when's paintball part three coming out? He's like, fuck that. I don't want to do that. I want to s- find ways to like break the convention. And so that's what he's doing now with Rick and Morty too, I think. Yes, he would also. But I think oh, go, that's, go ahead, I think that's the the tough part, right? Where you have this like, I want to break the convention, but also I created the convention. Right. And like I think sometimes it just goes too far with the meta, in just a way where it, like it becomes unclever to me again. Like you pass clever and then go back to to lame by just repeating the same joke over and over again with a different skin. Right. Joe, is that also hard for you with the Rick and Morty style of too much meta mixed with the loose improv? I mean, I I like it. I like it a lot. Like Rick and Morty is not a tough pill for me to swallow. I love the idea that it's random adventure. Like, you know, we were talking about what it is. It's a Back to the Future parody. Back to the Future is one of my favorite movies. Like Dan mm-hmm. Harmon's one of my favorite writers. You inject that energy into it. It's going to work for me. But uh I don't know. I think you guys would agree. As much as we love Dan Harmon, we also kind of fucking hate Dan Harmon. Okay, like. so let's say that. Normies, <laughs> I would say that each one of us uh, has gone through, and maybe you listeners as well, the story circle of liking Dan Harmon, which is, wow, this guy's interesting. Wow, this guy's really interesting. You know what? I'm going to study everything he says. No, now that I know more about him, he really seems like a piece of shit. You know, I'm kind of above what he's doing. Actually, I've rectified that he's an interesting character, and that's it. Right, and you can use that same, I mean, compare Dan Harmon to Rick. I mean, that's basically yep. the whole thing. Is like you can appreciate certain things about him without like idolizing him or thinking that he's like, can do no wrong, right? That's a good point, yeah. It's kind of almost an avatar for those beats with Rick because there's times where you're impressed by him, times where you're disgusted by him, but at the end of the day... You're going to watch those episodes, Wubba Lubba Dub Dub. Wubba Lubba Dub Dub. I like him. I like him as a character. I mean, I hope you guys do too. I, I hope you have favorite characters. Again, it's just interesting to look at it from 
an interesting point of view because it's a show that asks you to, but I would still say at the end of the day, Mike, you said it's got 20 jokes per page. Justin Roiland has said, we were kind of just going for a Simpsons thing. We wanted every character to be really funny. And I would say that they're always very true to that. Summer's just a teenage girl. Morty's an idiot. Um, fucking, what's the dad's name? Jerry. Jerry. Jerry's, Jerry's, Jerry's just a piece of shit. Yeah, Jerry's just a Jerry. <laughs> and that, you know, Rick, but Rick he likes, does what yeah. he does. And the mom, I think, is an interesting character, too, because she's, you know, she's Rick's daughter. So she has some of his his kind of personality uh, quirks, but then also, you know, um, I just think she's an interesting character. But says some in of the my fruity land episode, I set you on the sociopath. I think that's a great joke. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think the whole family dynamic is great. And, you know, it's a very cynical show, but also it can show heart at some times. And, you know, the family, while they may not stand each other, sometimes they also, uh, you know, will have moments where they're like, yeah, we're better off, you know, sticking together and, and that kind of thing. What I love, of another aspect I love is as fantastical as the family feels a lot of times, they also feel really real. You know, like that's going back to what Colin said, where like they do stick to what they are and they're relatable even though it's in this crazy universe. Yeah. I would say you get a lot of that from the episode structure where it can be, okay, what if a couple did have to have relationship problems? Well, what if it was an alien therapist's office? Blah, 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 blah. You know, you can spin out a lot from there. I think this is a really lucky show to just have writers sit around and just daydream on. Yeah, and that's kind of what I like about the show is how inventive it can be. And sometimes I don't like the B plot when it is like a Jerry and Beth you know, focused plot. I'm not as interested in that, although, you know, they can still be good sometimes, but I definitely like the inventive sci-fi stuff a lot better. Um, but then at times they, they kind of like, all right, we've done everything that we can really do. So let's do something else. I don't know. I think it's a good show. It's almost like, it's almost like each member of the family kind of has a different personal philosophy about what the world is, you know, cause uh, Rick is obviously nihilist. Jerry is like oblivious, you know, and has no agency. Right. Um, Morty is very naive. But um, Morty kind of goes the, through, sorry, an evolution where he starts out as a very naive absolutely. kid, but then, you know, going out on these adventures all the time and with Rick, he kind of, you know, matures a lot because he sees things how Rick sees them. But then he also realizes that Rick isn't without flaws. So then he's like, okay, I can counterbalance, you know, Rick's flaws. Almost like a nihilistic hedonist. He takes the nihilism from Rick, but he also loves the experiences of life. Right. Yeah. But then he also, when he has a chance to have agency, like, um, with like the crystals, the mind crystal, and he's trying to get his (laughs) high school crush. Like he, he can be very corrupt by his like darker impulses and Rick's got to like get him back on the path and not being a complete idiot. So, there's shades of gray there. Even Summer, you know, learns a lot about, you know, she stops being so mean to Morty when she realizes, oh, yeah, my, I've been looking at my dead body out my window every day. Summer. Yeah. Like, I've been through a lot. That's a great episode, too. Yeah. Um, so the family dynamic is definitely unique and pretty good. Let me out. Let me out. This is not a dance. I'm begging for help. I'm screaming for help. Please come let me out. Let, let me, me out. out. Let, let me out. out. This is not a dance. I'm begging for help. I'm screaming for help. It's unique. It's it's a unique show in the way that it's set up. We've gotten a lot of interesting tags with like April Fool's Day has sort of grown to become attached to Rick and Morty for Adult Swim for some reason. Um, I guess I would kind of just ask you guys, uh, what like what is your relationship with just other Adult Swim shows? Is this do you just like those in general? 
Well, before we get into that, can I just tell a, a funny story about the the April Fool's relationship? Oh, please. Um, mm-hmm. the The first time they did that, where Midnight at April Fools, they just played the first episode of the new season. It was like three to four weeks before the rest of the episodes came out. Um, it was during WonderCon, and Cassie and I had just gotten back from the con. We went to a bar afterwards. We got back to our hotel room, and. Uh, the episode just started and it was all new Rick and Morty that we hadn't seen. And like, there was no advertising that it was going to happen. That's just when they decided to play mm-hmm. it. Just like they played the room uh, a couple years ago. So it was like, Oh that's shit, awesome. here's new Rick and Morty. And that's season three. Episode yeah, one is that part of the mythos because that is the Szechuan sauce episode. Crazy. Which the biggest joke became. Uh, yeah, you know, Star Wars fans have bullied people off of Twitter, but they have not yelled at McDonald's managers over sauce. <laughs> right. So you guys vote on Just which fandom has some toys out there, things. Mike. We'll see. Uh, yeah. Um, but as far as Adult Swim, like, I, I love that dropping an episode on April 1st. I didn't see it till April 2nd because I was like, oh shit, I, I missed that. But um, I don't know. I grew up in the old school of Adult Swim where we're talking like Sea Lab and Aqua Teen right. was kind of the first edition home movies, things like that. Um, I, th- I think it's up there. I mean, they're they're all kind of coming out of that absurdist kind of bent. Random. It just leans way more into the sci-fi and way more into the nihilism. But the, the randomness has always been kind of an Adult Swim state. Yeah, yeah. You can definitely see the humor from the you know the Aqua Teen and, and stuff like that. Um, I also, you know, obviously I think we all kind of came up in that era of adult swim and then later on you get like the Tim and Eric stuff and, and random stuff like that. Um, what I, I was actually, honestly, when the first season came out, I was surprised that it eventually got as big as it did because I kind of compared it to another show that I like a lot, Venture Bros, uh, which is a great show, but never reached the amount of norminess that Rick Mm -hmm. and Morty has. Although I think it's the same kind of level of like consistent comedy and quality and stuff. So. They're both kind of plagued by similar issues too, where it's like they're they're not on a consistent release basis where you're gonna get twenty four right. episodes every single year. Even though they've signed a deal to make like a hundred seasons, who knows when those seasons are actually gonna come out? <laughs> now that's a great question, Jacob. But do you remember the relationship we had in high school when Adult Swim first came out? Aqua Teen, that was a show people in drug rugs used to smoke joints and hang out in the corner and you would kind of like talk to them about it and they'd be like, Oh, it's so funny or whatever. To Jacob's point, it was just those kids. It wasn't every kid at a high school had a Rick and Morty sticker on their bag. I would say this is probably the last yeah. chance at being a super popular terrestrial TV show. Maybe the last shot that Adult Swim has at a super hit, right? But I think the whole point of Adult Swim is that it was kind of like, it's not the most popular thing, but it's kind of like counterculture. So it's like cool because like, you know, not that many people know about certain shows like, you know, home movies and stuff are a little under the radar. People might like, you know, Family Guy or Futurama, these shows that they brought back from, you know, syndication or whatever. But some of the more niche stuff about adults, I think is what made it special in the early days. Anime. Yeah. I mean, now it's a matter of like availability too, right? Like it's not stoners who were up late talking about Adult Swim. It's yeah, everybody and their mother DVR'd it or watched it on a streaming service. Or, right. You know what I mean? Like, the access mm-hmm. really, I think, defines the popularity. And a like month that, later. The more screeners there are, you know. One month later, Joe, I'm the loser at the table who hasn't watched the show in, at lunch, but it just hit Hulu. 
oh, now I'm in on your jokes. I'm a part of this world. And then it grows and it grows and it grows. Right. Yeah, the jocks were never were, were never quoting Carl. Yeah, you know, but from they're saying pickle Aquatine. Rick. They're fucking saying pickle Rick, <laughs> Mike, right. and passing and each other on the highway. High five. Show me what you got. Early kind of charm yeah. of Adult Swim too was kind of the whole brand that it had with the like the black tight like the titles on the black screen in between the shows and stuff with the jokes mm-hmm. and like it all kind of fit a brand right. Um, now it's yeah it's definitely more mainstream i think also because people don't watch live tv anymore like they they you know dvr or they use streaming services i used to stay up late when i was like 14 to watch you know shows on adult swim it's how i got introduced to cowboy bebop and different anime shows like that mm-hmm. so yeah i i really kind of am nostalgic for those early days of adult swim well now i only watch interdimensional cable so <laughs> i've really transitioned out of the Regular shows that you guys right. Mike, does this... But my brain's gotten too big, Does this so. show survive on an interdimensional cable, Mike? Like, what is the future? Jacob said, it takes a long time to make these episodes. Rick and Morty joke about it themselves. South Park already did a Minecraft episode. Oh, are they fast? No, I think we're slow, Morty. It takes a long time <laughs> to get out. This season we're currently watching has been split in half and basically a year apart from broadcasting. Um... Mike, does it continue on? Does it have a movie? Like, what is the end point for Rick and Morty? It's huge. It's a giant uh, brand. It's not going anywhere. That's what I'll say, guys. No. It's one of the biggest well, like things to happen. Like I said, they did happen. sign that big deal to make, I don't know how, like, it was a huge deal Which is for crazy. Like, a huge amount of seasons. I think I 70 more episodes is, is what they're ordered for. That could yeah. be seven more seasons, 10, 10 per. I think they do about 13 per typically. But what's that future, Mike? I mean, heat death of the solar system. <laughs> it goes I on mean, forever. I don't know, because I feel like lately it has lost steam. Like, I don't see a lot of people, at least in my social media timeline, um, posting about new episodes or anything the way they were back in season three. So something happened, maybe, you know, and it wasn't the uh, the COVID thing. More people would be watching this stuff. I don't know what happened. There, there definitely was like a peak norminess and i think we've gone past that and we're maybe coming back around to niche i mean i think it was the embarrassment of the szechuan sauce like i think everyone saw that and was like oh i can't say that i watched that out loud right and like i mean even dan Harmon was like well uh i I hate you guys now (laughs) well it's like we can't to compare it to star wars again like you you know it was cool like it used to be not cool to like star wars but it was like you know, a thing that was, you know, people liked it. Now it's like, I don't even want to admit that I like Star Wars because it's become <laughs> such a overexposed thing. And then like, there's the whole like, you know, fandom, certain parts of the fandom. It I don't comes like. with some baggage. Right. So it's like, would you say we got the Szechuan sauce and then things took a dip? Oh, Mike. <laughs> Mike. Thank you. And you know, Dan Harmon said <laughs> they didn't have a deal with McDonald's. They didn't get a cut or any of that. They just rode the no, popularity like of the show. Thing. Yeah, exactly. But then for them to actually put it out, they, it's not like they called Dan Harmon and said, hey, should we really put this out? No, they just rode the free marketing. Right. Which is pretty amazing that a show with just basically grassroots fan kind of reaction to something that was essentially like a, a a dumb arc in a dumb show. I think, and McDonald's to move the needle on it, like damn, yeah, it was bro. smart. I think it fits perfectly the early teens so 
like lol so random type of humor to be like oh uh, szechuan sauce i don't even know what that is but i'm gonna like fucking shout it out because it's just so funny that my favorite character it was for mulan yeah. i was but not born when I mulan mean, came out but i love szechuan sauce. but it's written by two gen xers you don't find that fascinating that it's it's zoomer culture completely written by two gen xers they're just writing the script for it somehow how have they tapped it it's interesting that they're able to um yeah identify with zoomers so well when they're you know they're not even millennials they're like you said gen xers but um i think justin Rowland was kind of always tapped into that kind of humor for sure and then you know it's just the adult you know people go through that phase when certain kind of humor is very funny to them but then over time as you get older you might not think it's as funny it's almost got like a, a Monty Python-esque quality too, where they'll like deconstruct like the idea of a sketch completely. Like the sketch police would come out if it was a bad joke or the end of Holy <laughs> right. Grail when the cops come because they don't have a permit and like it breaks the wall that they're making a film. It's like the idea of um, commenting on the art form, right? That's what the meme culture is too. So having that baked in with kind of Dan Harmon's, you know, background, it's like the kids... Totally the kids these days will respond to that because that's kind of the style. Everything is meta right. now and we're going to get to like a post meta place. But right now everything is re- self reflexive. Even star Wars was reflecting on itself in rise of star right. Wars. I mean, this is where yeah, we're at. They celebrated and star Wars day in that movie. I forgot about that, Mike. <laughs> but then even the, <laughs> they did have life. I day think that's a good, in the Mandalorian That's a good point, Mike, how, um, yeah, like to, to, the generation under us like meta humor has become like almost the norm and it's like now there's mm-hmm. even more like backlash where it's like oh you can just end any like sketch with like a commentary on the fact that it's a sketch or whatever like that's an easy way to like end a, a joke so now there's almost like an anti-meta backlash which is even showing up in the show itself with um the last week's episode which if you saw that it's like almost like a commentary of like dan Harmon like fighting with him, his old self or something I haven't mm-hmm. seen that episode, but I love to hear that because I do think, you know, I, I love meta humor, but it's a crutch. Like, it yeah. is a crutch to be like, you know, boy, we're talking Rick and Morty podcast, home. Huh? We're on a podcast. This is a podcast. <laughs> Jacob, you're my friend. <laughs> yeah, th- they literally say in, in, in the episode, too, like, let's pretend like podcasting isn't boring. But um, <laughs> yeah. it's true. So basically, back last week's episode uh, but, is like, what if Abed yeah. from Community was a villain in Rick and Morty? So just think about that. But yeah, even Morty's asking like logical meta questions about the setup. And Rick's just like, stop asking like meta questions, Morty. Just stick to the tropes. Like we're just doing a story. Stop fucking around. Is this it, Jacob? Is this the thing Dan Harmon is most remembered for for the rest of his life? Is this his magnum opus project? I think, I mean, because obviously Rick and Morty is a combination of Roiland and Harmon partnership i think community will still be always like his most pure thing that like was his but not harmontown <laughs> not, not an alcoholic too, a lot on a podcast niche. yeah it was, yeah i would agree but even community like it's a cult hit but it never obviously reached the popularity of rick and morty i mean it was constantly trying to you know on the verge of being canceled so um but I think there is there's some subtle things in community that Rick and Morty kind of expands on and then almost becomes like like you said, Joe, it's like a crutch. And then they're now they're trying to fight against the crutch. And now it seems like Rick is just constantly trying to let's just, you know, let's just have a normal adventure. And then shit goes bad and they have to do something meta. But 
It's back to what I was saying about the commentary. It's almost like Rick himself is the commentator at AV Club saying, no, 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 this is how this episode should go. It's just a classic Rick and Morty adventure. Constantly. Right. I get sick of that. We don't have to try so hard, Rick. We could just, we're just having a good time, <laughs> Morty. We're just having an adventure. We don't have to try so hard. They're yeah. constantly bringing And then at the up. end of Adventures, they're like, did we even learn anything from that? And they're like, don't overthink it. Like, you don't need to learn everything from, you know, from every adventure, you know? Yeah, so, so funny. It's it's interesting too that we're talking about this without hitting another major adult cartoon like South Park, mm. right? We have not done a South Park episode, and that's two other creative geniuses putting their heads together to make something off of a weird internet pilot greeting card, right? Right. So they kind of share that. <laughs> and DNA. you could say, but we went with Rick and Morty, right? And another thing, uh, you know, to compare it, um, South Park almost hit a p- point of like normization that it almost went back to being niche again and with the you know with like certain cartman catchphrases and like oh you killed kenny and then they kind of stopped doing that after a certain point because it became so overused that they're just like we want to move on and like do different things and now like even the last couple seasons have been more you know political and more like about current events and stuff i think it's pretty interesting kind of how that happened as well that is a yeah i mean it's been like that for a decade now yeah which it's crazy to think we have multiple decades of South Park under our belt and only four seasons of Rick and Marty. Yet <laughs> it's it's bigger. Talking about Rick it's and bigger. Marty. It's bigger now. And like I said, solar opposites. Have you guys had a chance to check that out before we talk some of the other media related to the Rick and yeah, Marty? Yeah, I uh, checked it out actually uh, last night. I watched the whole first season. I mean, it's eight episodes, um, uh, 20 minute sick. episodes. <laughs> you look <laughs> but, purple. You wow, look like one you of the. Like, you know, Colin, uh, <laughs> Colin texted me and told me to give it a chance. And uh, I did like it. I thought it was pretty good. Um, it's like how I would describe it is basically exactly what Rick and Morty would be if you took the Dan Harmon part out of it and just had the Justin Roiland part. Um, I think it's less cynical. It has more like these, this family actually likes being around each other more than the Rick and Morty characters do. Um, there's a lot more like gross out, uh, extreme humor that is more typical of Justin Roiland. Um, but what do you guys think? Have you seen it? I only saw the first episode, um, with, with Mm -hmm. fun bucket, which is itself (laughs) a, a, kind of a version of Rick and Morty where there's a scientist yeah. with a kid and they're going on adventures and they create this creature in real life. Everything. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's, I like it, but I, I don't like it. I need to watch the rest of the episodes, but I don't like it as much as Rick and yeah. Morty, but it definitely feels like, yeah, there's something you, you took this thing and split it. In I half. watched all of it. Uh, Joe, did you check it out? No, I've, I watched the trailer. I don't know, man. I wasn't, it's not. Um, it takes a little while to get into the humor style. I think there like the first is episode a is not stiffness. Yeah, would you say, Jacob? Right? There is yeah. a a very formulaic. This is how a sitcom episode should go, and that's totally fine. A scenario. Exactly. I think as you go into the it, jokes, yeah, it gets. Yeah, once you get a few episodes in, you kind of get the character dynamics, and the the comedy starts flowing a little better. The first episode is a little rough, um, but I also think like. Uh, just think about it as the American dad to Rick and Morty's Family Guy, you know. But I like American Dad more. Yeah, I like American Dad more. But than I didn't guy. in the first Insane, season. Uh, Eventually, I, just hope I did. It's not the Cleveland yeah. show. Yeah. Eventually, I, I did like American Dad more, yeah. but it took a while to get into what it becoming a different thing, like with its own identity, right? Saying you're taking the the Dan Harmon out of Rick and Morty, though, is like, ooh, that's the only part I really like. like right. 
That's like it's Rick and Morty, but without the good stuff. It's without the the. It's all Morty. It's still got Ryan Ridley as a writer on it. It's still got Brandon Johnson doing some voices in the background. Thomas Middleditch is a main character who did some background voices on Rick and Morty. It's got Joe Saunders as a story editor. He was a guest on a bunch of Doughboys episodes. He's a fantastic writer as well. I would say it still has an interest in niche sci-fi principles and with the bingeable construction of it because it plays much more um, consumable that way. Serialized. Thank you, Jacob. Uh, It does a very interesting subplot for the end of the season that I would recommend to stick with. That's true. And I was going to say, like, it's... Um, it's almost like, it's interesting because it doesn't have Dan Harmon, but it almost has, it's almost, it's less cynical, less nihilistic, which part of, you know, is maybe it's out of its head, Jacob. Wouldn't you say it's like, it's, it's almost like a person who's so pent up and wants to fuck and wants to fuck They're inside their head. This is just a show that's busted its load. It's like, it's just fucking relaxed. It's just a fucking hangout show. And like I said, it's built to binge. It just wants you to watch it and sit. Yeah, it's lower stakes. And like I said, you know, I watched the first episode yesterday and then ended up just watching the whole first season. It's not super long. It's only eight episodes, but um, I thought it was pretty good. And yeah, it's much lower stakes. It's like less, um, I don't know. It's just like, I almost feel like Justin Roiland made it because he wanted to make a show like Rick and Morty that was just his, I guess. And he just wanted to show that he could do it without Dan Harmon. I don't know. That might be just me I'm, putting it. I mean, it probably feels the good Bill to like actually syndrome. make a show that doesn't take like, yeah. you know, to put out a couple episodes. And just to have right. fun really with shouldn't. it. And to me, it's almost another thing I compare it to. It's like Rick and Morty mixed with Bob's Burgers because it ha- it really kind of feels like the family dynamic mm. from Bob's Burgers. Again, these these characters they can do really bad things, but they actually care about each other. They they like being around each other more than the Rick and Morty characters seem to, and um, even like the brother and sister, they feel like the almost like the children from Bob's Burgers, but they're aliens and they you know do experiments on people and stuff. But I will agree with you, Colin. the The subplot that you're talking about, which I don't want to spoil, is really great, um, and it's definitely worth sticking around to the seventh episode, which is like really actually pretty great. What if Roger from American Dad was the whole yeah, family? Yeah, it's kind of like that. Kind of like um, <laughs> I would it's a family full show. of Ricks. But it's almost like Rick w- mixed with Roger character pers- personality-wise. But there's a little bit of that fish out of water. They're not from Earth, and they have to deal with yeah. Earth-like and problems, also, right? And also, like Rick, they can yeah. all do any kind of sci-fi thing Science anytime course. they want. It's just like... Oh, it's some sci-fi bullshit. Oh, of course. And if you're a drunk uh, VO uh, recorder named Justin Roiland, you can just say schlib schlab shibble schlop and somebody will just animate (laughs) something to make it look like whatever. You got to love that. One criticism Mm -hmm. I will have of it as well is that some of the plots are pretty much exactly like certain Rick and Morty plots. Like there's one where they use like pheromones to make people fall in love with them or like them. That's like exactly like the love potion episode of Rick and Morty. Um, and there's certain things that are very similar, but I think it, over time, if it has a chance to grow, it can kind of like differentiate itself enough um, to be where, you know, like you said, you like American dad more than family guy now. And it kind of made its own identity. I would argue, you know, Jacob, you just hit it right on. It wants to be a classic American sitcom so bad. And Justin Roiland, we know, said, well, when I was thinking of Rick and Morty, I wanted to inject so much Simpsons into it. This is just his Simpsons. He can just yeah. make it a very mm-hmm. neutral hangout show. Just do that, baby. Follow your will. 
exactly. I mean, even the each character in this family has a Simpson, you know, like it fits the dynamics. They even have a baby, like the pupa, right? So it's like yeah. Maggie, yeah. So there's an analog. So early um, reviews on this on Rotten Tomatoes: ninety six for the critics, seventy six for the yeah. audience. I don't think their brains are quite big enough to comprehend. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised it. the critics Critic liked it that much. Yeah, the, and Rick and Morty is 94 critics, 94 audience. So that's had more time to marinate and gestate. This thing is like two days old. So. Yeah. Well, I imagine the audience score might go up. And also, I don't think the episodes. So. Yeah, I don't think it's been as promoted. Like, it's obviously, it's not the popularity level of Rick and Morty yet. And I just haven't seen it promoted very much. I barely even knew about it. I just saw some random ad on Twitter. And then Colin was like, yeah, check it out. It's, it's not bad. I got to tell you, I was uh, watching YouTube today, preparing for the show, not watching Rick and Morty content, actually, but I was watching just general stuff. Every ad mid-roll that I received was four Ooh, solar opposites. Oh, really? And I was like, all right, you know what? I'll watch the first I'm episode because I got yeah, like tricked. four or five in a row. Um, what what platform yeah. is it on? It's a Hulu original. It's a Hulu show. Okay, I've yeah. literally just seen the uh, the trailer on Twitter. Like, It's a stuff. Hulu original and they reference Hulu about 25 times every episode. <laughs> There's a lot yeah. of product, product placement, but it's... it's oh, right. yeah. J- Joe, you'll it's, love the in-between cut breaks where it says, oh, if you just came back, but you've got the Hulu commercial free, you didn't see this and that. It's like, oh, okay. Oh, boy. I mean, if it was... It, at least it's not an Amazon Prime show, because then it doesn't exist to me. So. <laughs> then would, none of us would ever watch <laughs> it. Right, right. As many but it's a short watch. If you get. have Hulu already, I have it through my roommate, so I just watch things on Hulu anyway. It's a short watch to watch the whole season, because it's like eight 20-minute episodes, and it's cool. worth it just for the wall subplot. That's all I'll say. Well, I'll just get your uh, gotcha. your roommate's Hulu, and then I can watch it too. So <laughs> exactly. I'll just Please. Hulu around. I'll check on the interdimensional cable as well. Um, another thing that they reference in the show is uh, whether or not someone is a Nintendo yep. guy, which would be a video game, which would be a segue that I'm making right now to the other media, video <laughs> games and so forth, surrounding Rick and Morty, because we did get a VR game. So I'm tuning up the portal gun. Come on, Morty. Let's go. Uh, Mike, I'm making a segue, Mike. We gotta go. I'm making a segue. This is gonna... <laughs> right, I don't know about this, Rick. Oh, yeah. You gotta get Swifty. You gotta get Swifty in here. It's time to get Swifty. Oh, oh. You gotta get Swifty. Oh, yeah. Take off your pants and your panties. Shit on the floor. Time to get swifty in here. Got a shit on the floor. We're back, Morty. Uh, uh, sorry. Uh, we're talking about uh, the mixed media of the Rick and Morty universe. Talking about the video games at first. The Rick's the, media. The, <laughs> that would, That's what the episode, would, what the episode Mike, would be called. Exactly what I was about to say. <laughs> yeah. Literally, they probably have one coming up called the Rick's media. Um, Rick's seconds. Yeah. Yeah, the most interesting thing to talk about, obviously, there are Rick and Morty games, but before we get into that, we should talk about Justin Roiland, an interesting guy um, in the VR space. He just, he really considers that the future of video gaming. He has developed a studio called Squanch Games, um, where they develop VR stuff. They work together to make a VR Rick and Morty game called Virtual Rickality. Um, Before we get into just that... I don't think we have ever stated our opinions on VR on this podcast. So I kind of want to just go around and get those from you guys. Now, I have told you guys off pod, 
my motion sickness is getting so bad that I kind of can't even be a passenger in cars anymore, so I cannot imagine I could ever wear a VR headset. Oh, do you have vertigo? No, I don't know. It's just some sort of motion sickness when I'm in a vehicle mainly. And when I look at VR where there just seems to be no level plane ever, there's always the wobbliness. I don't think I'm ever going to get there. My opinion of VR is basically it's a cool gimmick at at this point, but it's never going to become like a staple thing for video games unless there's like a way to make the price point so that the average consumer can afford it. Because right now it's not really a thing that everyone can afford or even has the setup or ability to use. Um, So I don't see it becoming a, 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 a thing that's really becomes normie unless they can make it more affordable, I guess. Joe, what do you think about um, VR? I love the idea of VR. I'm, I, I've, I've said a million times, if, if I could just transport into a universe where I could web swing for hours yeah. and hours, you guys would never see me again. Uh, what I don't like, though, is the idea of sitting on the couch playing VR. That seems wrong to me. If, if it's VR, I want to I be able to use my hands. I want to be able to move around. Uh, so until like we can have that... I'm not really sold. Right. That no, you want to be like Minority Report. Gotcha. You want to be uh, floating in goo. You just want to be like completely weightless. You got to be able to have yeah, a dude, treadmill that can go in any direction <laughs> so you can walk around and actually feel like you're walking and you have gloves for your hands and whatnot. There are those like crazy... I don't like walking in the real life, <laughs> let alone the virtual life. There are those life. like crazy, um, you know, like VR experiences you can do. Like there's one at Disneyland that's Star Wars themed. There was a Ghostbusters one that was like traveling to Mars. I've done a zombie one in Korea yeah. before. Oh, it was yes. very cool. You had an actual I did that gun. in Japan it's as like well. like an empty warehouse, yeah, right? That. So hold on, guys. Were those the VR, like like Jacob said, where you're on the treadmill in the middle? Or Mike and Jacob, the ones that you did, were those the AR, VR mix where you're running around and they kind of project well, sounds on like blocks? Mike might have did a similar to one. When I was in Japan, I did one where you had an actual gun that you're holding. You walk around a room with actual like walls and stuff yeah it's like, like a laser tag to, yeah i was walking on like a two by four that was like a plank over like lava or something and it really felt like i was you know <laughs> balancing over lava i was like oh if i fall i'm gonna die and you're just some douchebag in a suit standing in a garage while some guy's yeah. like blowing air on you <laughs> well here's my take on vr Please. overall right because that's like i don't have a warehouse i don't have all this right but you know we're we're in a world where who knows when we'll get to go outside? When are we going to have human contact, right? People yeah. are going to want experiences. The price point is an issue. I think it will get there. We got John Carmack. Go back and listen to the Doom episode. He's obsessed mm. with VR, working with Oculus. We have Justin Roiland working right. on VR. I do think it's the future. It's just we're maybe 10 to 15 years out from like really having it be like a normal thing right, that but people the whole- have. Uh, PlayStation is working on finger, like tactile patents right now so how they can track finger movement more delicately so you could in theory do a web swing gesture who knows but uh that's in the works so i think you know 10 years or so it's going to come down in price right but But how are you going to have the whole fully involved thing that like joe wants without being at an affordable price point for people you guys keep saying price point it is not about price point. It is the fact that I have to put on gloves, put on a head right. thing, put on another thing, walk around. Well, all that stuff is very expensive. Yeah, but it's it's cumbersome. That's the main thing. People are not going to get into VR until it's, you know, boom. I put a dot on my head. Like, right. isn't that how fucking Star Black Trek Mirror. probably does it? Or yeah, ex- Yes, yeah. thank you. Jacob, 
until we're playing Striking Vipers together and falling in love digitally, (laughs) I I will not be happy with VR. I want the experience where I can fall in love with you. Right. It's (laughs) well, um, yeah. You can do that now. No, 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 no. I need to be able to touch him as a woman. It's never going to be the level of like Ready Player One. Um, which I didn't see the movie, but the, from the book, uh, <laughs> never say never. Um, to the point you where you're see in Ready a whole, one. I never saw the movie, but I actually read the book that I that I borrowed from Joe. Um, <laughs> Nerd alert! But the way they describe no, it in the kidding. book, it's reading never, is good for you. You need a whole like setup, right? But that how is that ever going to be an affordable <laughs> thing? That's not going to cost thousands and thousands of dollars. That's the question that I have. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Um, you know. I don't have all the answers. Sway. Just as good as VR, phone games are great, right? <laughs> and what yeah, a segue! Uh, Hell yeah! What a segue! <laughs> but before we get to that, are you, are you none, none of us have PSVR. None of us have an Oculus Quest. None of us have played virtual reality. I have not. Right? I, I've watched no. the videos. It looks pretty cool. I've used Oculus before, and I've played games on Oculus, but I've never played the Rick and Morty one. Um, I didn't even know about it, so. And then they have Trover Saves the Universe, which is the Squanch uh, games that Justin Roiland did. It's um, this alien that look feels, like. I mean, you know what a Roiland alien looks like. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like concept, like drawings for the the show Solar Opposites uh, in a game. But what I want to talk know. about is what yeah. Joe was segueing to, which Perfect. is the mobile game, Wait. right? Let's jump mm-hmm. to Pocket yes. Mortys. Now, guys, this is an Adult Swim developed video game. I don't know if you remember, there was this golden period. I used to play these web browser games all the time. Hobo Surgeon Simulator, um, Robo Unicorn. They had a lot of, like, just very well put together games. Joe, somehow you said it to me. We were like, oh my god, Pocket Mortys. There's a Rick and Morty video game that is on your phone that's like a Pokemon rip. This is so fucking funny. This is great. And yeah, I downloaded it in a minute and started playing it like crazy. It's in your pocket. It's Pocket Mortys. How could you not? Yeah, I mean, it yeah, was a, the, it was the age of Pokemon Go, right? Like everybody wanted that a piece of that Pokemon Go to the polls pile, <laughs> and Adult Swim got it with Pocket Mortys. I mean, the company that didn't even make Pokemon but just published the game became right. like a Niantic. billion dollar company because of the Niantic. popularity of that. So yeah, right. But unlike Pokemon it. Go. I like Pocket Mortis because it is basically like classic Pokemon, like Pokemon Red and Blue. Play the Um, thing. It's essentially just a port of those games, just with Rick and Morty stuff over it. So I like that. And every Pokemon is a Morty. We'll just wait for Pocket Morty go, Jacob. (laughs) I didn't get super into it. Didn't see how deep it really went as far as you know a mobile game. But I think it's, you know, I thought it was pretty fun for a few hours. I would I would get like a thousand mustached uh, Mortys and get really frustrated because I didn't get any like cool ones. The one true Morty, right? I did not play this. I'm not much of a cell phone gamer, but uh, maybe Pocket Mortys would be enough. Pre our Angry Birds episode where we talked about mobile games and I re-downloaded Angry Birds. This is probably the last mobile game I played, Mike. This was maybe it wrapped it up. I almost want to say, Joe, was I in the fucking hospital at this time? I want to say you were like, look at Pocket Mortys. This will distract you. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Could be. Yeah. Yeah. Might have been. Well, you know, 
news alert, Angry Birds 2 is out now, so get ready for that episode, <laughs> Angry Birds 2, we're I, doing it again. That's not true. Yeah. Yeah, I would say... <laughs> it's true. I would I say, you know, I'm not a mobile gamer either, um, but like I said, I played it for a few hours. It's fun. Um, More stationary. <laughs> I'm a stationary gamer. Yeah, I'm a stationary gamer. That's why yeah, I don't VR want that VR treadmill. This is all bullshit. Fuck that. Um, but yeah, it's it's Just you know it basically has brain. one joke in that it's Pokemon, but all the Pokemons are different kinds of Mortys. Once you get past that, I don't know how fun it would be to continue to play. But um, yeah, I would say any. F- well, that's fairly comical. Any future game for Rick and Come Morty on, doesn't it feel like it's going to be like a strong bad video game, like they did the the Telltale, where it's parody of other video game types or you right. know parodies of other genres. For Rick and Morty, I don't even know what I would want to say. What is a triple A Rick and Morty? Do I want it in the Red Dead Two? Blah blah blah. No, it's probably like a No Man's Sky, right? Where it's this procedurally right. generated weird alien planets. But that sounds so unappealing. I don't. I don't think there is a yes. winning Rick and Morty video game. Well, part of the problem it's probably is probably a cheap third third person shooter rip. Yeah. that gets put out in a month. Oh, like South Park Nintendo sixty four. Yeah, there you go. We just FPS. wait for the episode, guys. Just well, that, now, I'm cooking. <laughs> yeah, I don't see anything like that happening. <laughs> I mean, South Park did have the Stick of Truth, which was kind of fun. But um, yeah, Rick and Morty. I think part of the problem is they love to like trash their own canon constantly. So it's like they set up some really cool stuff that they could make a video game out of it, and then they just kind of like blow it all up. So I yeah, I wouldn't really want to play a Rick and Morty video game unless it was some kind of interesting idea to really get me hooked into it i would really leave it at that jacob i wouldn't want to play a rick and morty video yeah, game. yeah. i don't want a pickle rick t-shirt i remember <laughs> szechuan sauce it was nothing to write home about <laughs> no. no it's just a meme well let me ask you this joe would you read a rick and morty i, comic? I would Ooh, i that. would and i have read a rick and morty comic <laughs> do tell <laughs> i um they're fine i mean they're they're very much like any other rip i think right like colin we've seen a lot of Mm -hmm. these simpsons yeah i think these are pretty good ones though actually joe i would say there's not mega talent behind it but the weird talent for the weird stuff that they want to do i would say particularly the dungeons and dragons line we can talk about the other stuff in a second but those where it's like well that is kind of a world i would want to see rick and morty parody and it doesn't seem like they're interested in it so okay i'll take the comic alternative to me fair well, that's a Dan Harmon wheelhouse yeah. thing too. The Seems whole D and D. To me, if they're not written by like the actual Rick and Morty writers, then to me, like, what's the point? It's like reading Star Wars expanded universe, which you know some people like that, but <laughs> oh, oh, it's like yeah, having content with things you like. I don't get the point. But like you know, I mean, it might be good. I don't know, but <laughs> if it's it's not the writers. You know, but Jacob, here's how they run around the canon, is what I would say. If you're worried about mm-hmm. there's got to be some sort of strict continuity, even though, again, we've talked about the Rick and Morty universe playing with continuity is so fast and loose. Yeah. Um, 30 issues into the to the comic book series, it follows a comic book version of Rick and Morty. That is, mm. they're not the C-137. They're the comic blah, 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 130-whatever. They don't know they're in a comic, or maybe they do. Obviously, Rick does because he's Rick. But it's the adventures of them. Now, after those 30 issues, people like you, Jacob, were like, I don't give a shit about this. This isn't the main Rick and Morty that I know. And they changed that up. And they said, actually, we're going to start following the normal ones. This is what they're doing when it's off screen. 
We've got the express written consent from Dan Harmon and Justin Roiland to do that. Yeah. Eh, that's where I fall apart because, again, we're never going to get that stuff referenced. We're never going to see that stuff. Right. To me, if it is part of that canon, who gives a shit? It's, it's, it's nothing that I'm ever going to be a part of. It's never going to be presented in the original piece of material. To me, yeah, it's... In, sorry. Go for it. I was going to say, to me, it's not even about whether it's in canon or not. It's just like, I can see, you know, it might be good, some of it, but to see someone kind of trying to ape the comedy or writing style of the show that's not actually the writers, I could just see it being kind of cringy. But also, oh, it that's could be a great good. critique. No, you I really I mean? like that, actually. When someone is trying to someone trying emulate to write, a style, yeah, yeah that's, like that Dan actually Harmon. is pretty bad. It, it'll be like season four of Community, you know? Yeah. It's like when that guy in the Pickle Rick shirt came up to me at the bar and said, I got a really great Rick impression, and then I had to listen to yeah. five minutes. Is that minutes. true? Yeah, I'm, I'm not on board. Oh. No. Yikes. But you know what I mean. That's, Imagine that yes. in a comic book. I, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Uh, I mean, I think it's worth it, to be honest. Ani, Ani Press, um, at least like the first the first volume is all I've, I've read, but uh, Zach Gorman, I think is his name, is the writer. And like a lot of, you know, really legacy comic book writers got their start on these type of books. Like Gail Simone. For sure. Huge mm. in the industry now. Um, she started on Simpson Comics, so. Oh, I like that. I did not know that. And okay. uh, I recommend for Jacob then, the Dungeons & Dragons ones are by Patrick Rothfuss. Uh, I'm sure you guys are aware of who he is, but for Normies, he's a writer akin to George R.R. R. Martin. Uh, a lot of people are like, well, his stuff's the next thing, except it's a, much like him, unfinished compendium of weird yeah. fantasy books called the In the, the Name of the Wind Chronicle, the King Killer oh, Chronicles. Oh, the King Killer Chronicles, yes, yeah. yes. I was going to say, yeah. I've heard of that. So, you know, he's a fantastic <laughs> sci-fi reading. writer and fantasy writer. Obviously, there is some pedigree behind That's interesting. It. I would, yeah, I would recommend it. Check that out then, yeah. I have cool. no idea where I would plug this otherwise, so I guess I'll plug it here. Um, Dan Harmon co-created Rick and Morty. Uh, there is the Starburn Industries comics division. Uh, so they do make comic books through Starburns Industries. Hmm. There's a comic called Comics Comic, um, and it has people like Patton Oswalt. It's kind of oh. like a Creepshow-esque uh, collected volume of stories. And if you check out their website, there's a handful of their books that they have um, – where you can see the the first issue for free. So like, wow, that's a really there's, cool there's idea. Like, that's cool. There's like an A team ripoff that's very much something you would see scrolling through intergalactic cables. So right. Star, you know, Starburns mm-hmm. Industries. Check out their comics. One incredible out. threat. So nice. think yeah, about that, guys. Point. Justin Roiland is make his own video game company where they're releasing that. They have an in-house publishing studio, Starburns, uh, probably publishing for the comics. They have an in-house podcasting, Starburns Audio. That's how they figure out all the sound mixing and stuff for Rick and Morty. Starburns is also the animator for this. Obviously, they ship it out to uh, probably Korea, I believe. But it is Justin Roiland who is doing the storyboarding and stuff. I mean, this is a very hand-to-mouth product. It's, It's just, it's... It's created in kind of a bubble. So again, it, why is it so popular? That has been the question of this. How did Rick and Morty go <laughs> from normie status so fast, from niche to normie? I mean, it, it truly is incredible, guys. Goodbye, moon man. Say
Yeah, well, I think the whole thing it comes down to is that there's different kinds of fans for this show. So there's some fans that come from the, you know, came up, you know, watching Community, listening to Harmontown, being a kind of obsessed with that kind of style of writing, and then checking out Rick and Morty and liking that as well. Then there's some people who don't know any about anything, don't know who Dan Harmon is, just think it's a funny show, and that's fine too. Um, and I think that's what propelled it to being so normy, it being an adult swim, it kind of connecting with the Zoomer style humor. I think that's why it, partially why it became so popular. I love that, Jacob. I love what you said up top too about, um, you know, you kind of do have to have a big brain to understand some of the quote unquote more complex parts of the episodes. I would say, look at a joke like Jan Michael Vincent. That means nothing to people who watch that show. You don't remember watching Airwolf or watching The Mechanic with your father, you know, and seeing who Jan Michael Vincent actually was as an 80s star. But I do get a kick out of people just saying Jan Michael Vincent. That works. It is funny because they like it for a different reason. I am perfectly fine being in the demographics of this fan base, like you're saying. Yeah, and my brain is actually so big that Alternate Dimension Me came and told me that we were already in the wrap-up, and we've actually <laughs> been there since you asked Jacob this question. So Amazing. It's pretty incredible what we're able to do with this portal gun, I'm telling you. We're, we're in the um, wrap-up the whole time, Mike. <laughs> we've always been in the wrap-up. It's a wrap-up. But I think, <laughs> Colin, exactly right. that's a good point, too. And I also think, like, you know, we kind of came up in the era of Family Guy, which became very heavily... Uh, reference humor became a very it was popular a lot thing of reference yeah, humor for a long time. That kind of got old to the point where probably a lot of Gen Z people they don't really you know like Family Guy and that kind of thing as much because it just you know that's more millennial humor. Now they're on this like super meta, just um, boomer humor. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> the random with the meta ness because like you're saying, yeah. Family Guy, another Alf joke. I don't. My grandpa watched Alf. I don't give a right. shit about Tim that. Robin. Oh, but Rick saying Alf while he's shooting a portal and he's saying, you know, this is a planet that looks like Alf would be from. Erp, on our planet, Alf is still a TV show, but here it's real. Anyways, this and you know, people can look at that and be like, oh my god, that's like seven different things. That's so funny. Yeah, I'm gonna get an Alf T-shirt that's Rick and Morty branded, and it's 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 also yeah. perfect stoner humor because you can get high and just be like, "Whoa, there's like so many levels." You can just look man. at the colors and stuff. We kind of Jacob, you kind of actually just hit that on the head too. There is another layer to this where it's just like it's just kind of a cool show to look at. So yeah, yeah the inventive sci-fi stuff that they do with it. Well, um, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of different styles of humor that kind of combine to make the show what it is. I guess. Well, I want to ask about, because we only touched on it a little bit in the very, very beginning, but the, the whole big brain thing. I think the other thing is this attracts people who probably think they're smarter than they are because it's yes. like, oh. oh, dude, quantum mechanics Mike. and string theory. It's like, I know what those words are separately. Together, I couldn't explain to you what string theory is, oh, God, right? No. But I, I kind of... But, but people like to be like, oh, dude, science, I know oh, fucking Oh, totally, science, but bro. that relates back to the bad traits of, I guarantee it also relates to incels, misogynists, right-wing, alt-wing people who are like, yeah, <laughs> everything that they're saying, I 100% agree with because I see no irony in it. Right, well, it's another yeah, thing. Yeah, the whole nihilism and nothing matters. Yeah, it's, it's from, you know, it's like, you know, people who identify with Walter White, people identify with... You know, an anti-hero. This guy is such bros. a bitch. Oh, trying to stop Walter White from selling yeah. drugs. Fuck you, Skyler. What? Yeah, it's a right, similar thing right. there. But what I want to say is, like, obviously there is the meme of it, but I do think there's a certain truth to it where 
obviously there you do, I'm not saying you have to be like a genius to understand this show, but there is a certain level of it like, helps though. It definitely helps if you're <laughs> I, it helps, I, I you know, as a genius, I can tell you it helps. But what I was gonna say basically as a there's, genius. <laughs> there's the meta there's the meta humor that can kind of go over certain certain people's heads at times. That's all I'm saying. Like you can be twelve and watch this show and enjoy it, but you're not gonna get every single joke in it, right? Mm-hmm. I will say just to wrap it up and we'll throw it around here. I disagree with what you're saying. I think at its core, Rick and Morty knows that it is just a cartoon show. It wants to make you laugh. I think you see that again with how much Rick is giving the finger to people's expectations. You thought this character was coming back. You thought this meant something. Oh, you know, if my fan theory on YouTube is if you look at all these background things, it's not actually the original Rick and Morty that we're following in the first three episodes because it jumps around. They don't give a shit about that. They no, are I agree laughing. With that. It's not Westworld. <laughs> they don't even want to think that they're ahead of you, that they're smarter than you. It's right. all, it's like Mike said, it's all a nihilistic joke. But at the core, it is a joke. And I, I, I will defend it. I like laughing at this show. I like this show. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. What I'm just saying is that like with any like with arrested development, like with community, there's going to be certain uh either meta humor or references that not everyone's going to get. And just look at last week's episode as a perfect example. Some people probably hated that episode, didn't understand it, while other people thought it was like brilliant or, you know, pretty good. I don't think it's necessarily the 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 big brain um, meta jokes, you know what I mean? Like for me, like I think audiences are used to meta. Like I don't think it's really surprising to see something meta. Right. I think where it helps to have a big brain is to uh, relate some of the the emotional aspects of the show to get some of the like the themes they're going at. Um, I do think if you you're versed in Dan Harmon and someone who's interested in that type of media, you're going to get a lot more out of this show. And it's not the meta jokes because I think audiences are used to that. It's like more the themes underneath. Totally, totally. And Joe, will you come back? Um, maybe. I mean, like, there's no sense of urgency for me because I could catch up in a day. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not 20 episodes behind. It's right. I'm a couple hours behind, even though it's been two years. And I don't think it's like, yeah. it's not appointment TV at this point, but it's like, you know, whenever I catch up with it, I'll catch up with it. Here's a, a mm. weird connection that I've been dying to make. Um, I love the show Scrubs. Scrubs and Rick and Morty are the same show, and I love them for the same reason, right? You have Dr. Cox and Rick, the lovable but hateable you know, old bitter man that, you know, you're supposed to relate to, but like, he's not really a hero. And then the naive kid who's learning from him, uh, mm. and then, you know, cut cutaways and, and fantastical imagery that throws different points. That is like, I think kind of the emotional heart that Dan Harmon brings to the show. And that's why I think it works so well for me. You think that's why he cast yeah. Sarah Chalk? I do. I, I honestly do. Yeah. And like they, you know, there's some other weird ties with writers who worked on the Sarah Silverman project and, uh, you know, some other stuff that Dan Harmon did that just never got off the ground. Which famously he wrote for and then was fired by Sarah Silverman. And she said, he's like the the funniest guy I ever had to fire. So, yeah. There you go. Maybe my last thoughts on the Rick and Morty kind of piggybacking off of what Joe is saying is, you know, if Rick essentially is saying 
the universe doesn't matter. None of this matters. The universe is indifferent to you and your existence. And we live in a world that's in that real life universe that doesn't care about us or anything we do, doesn't care about continuity. At least he will provide you with a show that makes you laugh along the way. Because I think as Nietzsche said, the only way we can survive in the nihilism is to imagine Sisyphus as happy pushing the boulder. Oh, because if nothing's meaningless, you might as well laugh at it while you're doing the meaningless shit. And Rick and Morty at least allows us to laugh in the face of nothingness. That's great. Bringing some Camus to the table, man. I love it. Camus, that's right. Thank you. Mike wearing his Superman shirt while he's saying that. Wow, we we totally get (laughs) you. You see my brain? I got a pick a Rick (laughs) shirt. It just grew so big. I just want to add that. Nothing matters. I just want to laugh about it. One thing I just want to, um, <laughs> to wrap it up, does anyone have like a favorite episode or anything that they want to shout out or point out as like question. a particularly good? For me, I'll get it started. I really like that episode, the Tales from the Rickverse or whatever it's called, where they show, um, basically there's, you know, the, the Tales from the Citadel. Is that what it's called? Where's the, the <laughs> yeah. Citadel of Ricks and they're all Ricks and Mortys and there's like a whole world going on. It just follows that for an episode and but it's like has so much heart and like so much going on in that one episode that you can make a whole show about it but it's just a one off it's great that one that one is the ricklantis mix up that's where they try to give yes, you the button yes. of oh it's actually going to be a classic rick and morty adventure but no it is the life on the citadel yeah i like that yeah. one as well jacob yeah it's a um, great one i'll throw two an early one Jacob, you were saying the discrepancies between the A and B plots, but I do recall early on when we were watching those where you would say that some of the strengths, and I think you'd agreed on here too, that really did come from sometimes those A's and B's could carry their own uh, episodes. Yeah, the Ricktastic Park, you know, the one where he goes inside the homeless guy's body or whatever for Christmas. That is so good. Anatomy Park, thank you, Joe. Mm. The B subplot is the parents in a thruple with that black guy where it's like uh jerry has to deal with the weirdness of his parents doing that i think that is such a well-balanced episode with everything going on i i really love that one um it's got to be unity for me the the episode where we meet you know an ex-girlfriend you kind of see how rick handles his life and uh you know the uh, the suicide attempt at the end um one shout out i want to make though that i didn't mention at all the dance concept album, um, it's it's Rick and Morty inspired sad dance songs by Ali Gortz. Oh, I yes. I'm going to butcher Allie her Gortz name, but it's on from, Spotify. from uh, her podcast, uh, Everything's Coming Up, Simpsons. Joe, you love that concept album. Wubba Lubba Dub Dub, that electronic song. I've danced to that at yeah. so many of your parties. That is a fucking <laughs> banger and a half, my friend. Yeah. Uh, so definitely check that out. It's on Spotify. For sure. All right. Well, my standout episode to bounce off the dancing thing is uh, get Swifty. You know, Schwifty. show me what show you me got. What you got? Shit on the floor. I, that it, it feels like a weird Star Trek episode almost, where like society is confronted with the fact that their gods are just very powerful beings in this whole yeah. thing. It, it's very absurd, but it kind of feels like a Star Trekky concept, and I like that one. Also, I like shitting on the floor. So, and Dan Harmon oh, does his me. classic iced tea impression as iced tea, and at the end, he's really iced tea, and he water says, "I tea. can feel," and he turns into water tea. <laughs> water it's tea. so good, Mike. It's great. <laughs> yeah. So, there's a lot of good stuff in Rick and Morty. Definitely. Uh, 
let us know i'm just glad everyone came along for the ride yeah Yeah. let us know normies what your favorite episodes were um why you like this we are curious here gotta send your iq score yeah we want to see those sat scores next to it it. we want to see how old you are we're curious if you're 12 year olds don't don't tell us if you're a 12 year old listening to us don't don't do that but we (laughs) are tell us how big your first wave of the (laughs) session yeah uh, yeah, and, and what you remember from the references that this show's making. But let us know, uh, and let us know by hitting us up at normies underscore like underscore us. That's our socials. You can find us there. Rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. That helps us out. It helps other people find it. Um, and, you know, just contact us and let us know what episodes you want us to cover. Oh, my God, we love that you guys talked about Rick and Morty. You said South Park 17 times in this episode. Will you just do an episode already? Well, if you email us that, Superman. we'll be a little insider to do it. Quiet, Mike. <laughs> Quiet. We'll never do <laughs> Superman, though. Um, yeah. Um, I just need to mention, too, before we get completely out of here, we are coming up in two, I believe, two episodes on the 100th episode of wow. Normies Like Us. It's going to be an extravaganza. Wow. It's going to be a lot of fun. So be sure to tune in. Thank you all for who've been riding with us since the beginning. Yeah. Thank you, Normies. We're talking about all the stuff we love on that. Maybe by that time we'll watch the season five uh, finale, Rick and Morty. So maybe we'll get our thoughts on that. Maybe you two will have finished Solar Opposites. You'll be saying to me and Jacob, oh, I thought that weird subplot was terrible, actually. And we'll, we'll fight about that. So <laughs> tune in on the 100th. Maybe we'll get some fights, guys. That's right. Meanwhile, uh, yeah, I'll sign off first. This has been uh, Mr. Mike Seeks. Collins, uh, C137. Just Joe. Oh, this is Bird. Snuck it in there quick. Bird, Jacob. Uh, hit that box. Let us go. We're Mr. Collins. We don't deserve to exist anymore. Bye. <laughs> uh, it's Bye. pain. Existence is pain. Wubba-lubba-dub-dub. Oh, yeah. Oh, shit. Trying to squanch in here. Oh, hell yeah. This is Aquaman, and if you enjoyed that episode, I'd really appreciate it if you give it a like, share, and subscribe on iTunes, and you'd really be one of my man if you share with a friend. We'll be seeing you around. Nice. All right, that was good. Wubba-lubba-dub-dub. That's my new catchphrase now. That's what I say. On <laughs> <laughs> my world, we have oh, a man. saying. Wubba-lubba-dub-dub means I am filled with great pain. <laughs> Right. Well, love a dub dub. That's the uh, that's the uh, the Zoomers that's motto. That's how right? the news goes. <laughs> Ricky Ticky <Right>? Tabby. <laughs> 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 <laughs>